The Blur Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, hello, and welcome to the newest episode of the Blur Havoc podcast. I'm your host, the luxurious Alistair Haken. So, let's jump right into it. We're going to talk about the Snyder Cut, baby, because I have I have, a, I have very interesting opinions about the Snyder Cut. It's not typical, you know, good, bad, sucks, not sucks kind of thing. It's It's a bit more complicated than that, because... If you, if you want my hot take on it, too long didn't listen, is that it's not the worst superhero movie I've ever seen. It's just one of the most unenjoyable movies I've ever seen. You feel me? Do you get what I'm trying to say here? It was an unenjoyable experience mainly because of how long it was. Four hours is entirely too long for a movie. Not even a superhero movie, just in general. Four hours is too long for one movie. And even even then, I'd say four, four hours is too long for a movie where you sit down for an entire setting. Okay? I I would only recommend watching this movie in either two to, in like two to three chunks. Two to three chunks, right? I'd say it's like a six-part movie. So it's like part one through five and then the epilogue. I'd say after part two, take a break. After part four, take a break. And then finish it after that. Do not sit down and watch this for one sitting. Because I had to call out of work today because of how bad I felt after watching that movie in one sitting. Okay? Don't don't watch this movie in one sitting. But if you want the nitty gritty as to what I think of the writing, um, sit back, relax, grab some popcorn. Because I can guarantee you this is not going to be a four hour long episode. I can guarantee that. Because I didn't take any notes, I'm just going off the top of my head, just how I feel about it as a reaction. I've, I've given it about a day to think about some of my gripes and some of the praises I'd like to give the movie. Yes, there are praises I'd like to give to the movie. I'm not a huge DC fan, I'm not, I certainly am not a DCEU fan, but I have, I, I definitely have some things I like to talk about where I feel like this movie did improve upon the original Justice League, or the Joss Whedon version of the Justice League that we got in 2017. So, let's get started. So, first off, right off the bat, one of my favorite things about this movie is that the tone is a lot more consistent with the rest of the DCEU. Objectively speaking, it's a lot more consistent. Because a lot of the scenes in the original cut of the movie that Joss Whedon did, have the tone has been changed drastically. Such as the... The intro scene with Wonder Woman, the scene that introduces Wonder Woman, it, it was played for like, you know, the beginning of like Wonder Woman 1984, where it's supposed to be like boisterous and it's swashbuckling and it's like, oh, look at how fun it is to be a superhero kind of thing. And it was played the same way in Justice League in 2017. In this movie, it is played 100% for drama. It is played way darker. Like the terrorists are like 
portrayed in a much more a much more serious capacity where the music is darker the the like in in some cases there isn't any music it's like the music is quieter the the lighting is different it's almost entirely different the coloring is different and it, it overall the tone of that fight scene is completely different where there were instances where I've seen the movie already. I've seen the 2017 version. I saw this version and I genuinely wondered, is he going to kill the children? Like, I was like, at this point, I, I'm down to believe that he's going to slaughter those children. Because this movie actually made it feel like we were going to touch upon darker instances of violence, such as uh, child murder, right? But, of course, that didn't happen, but... It was just, it was just like the tone of the movie made you feel like it. It would have pushed some buttons that, you know, we weren't expecting. So I, I definitely like the consistency and tone in that regard. I will say the another thing that I really like is the pacing is a lot better, and not necessarily in terms of the pacing of the entire movie. We'll get back to that in a moment because that's a good thing and a bad thing. But we'll get back to that. The pacing of the action scenes is a lot better in this movie. Where everything in the 2017 Justice League was really rushed. It felt really like fast-paced and rushed and not in a good not a good fast pace, but it felt like it was rushed. Like there was somebody just shoving the movie down your throat and saying, "Indulge in this 2-hour long like company mandated 2-hour long movie," right? In case you didn't know, the original Justice League, there was a mandate that came down from Warner Brothers that said this movie can only be two hours long. Cut it down. And it actually ended up making the movie really rushed and it felt really bad. But in this movie, you get more moments in the the action scenes to marinate, to breathe. To There's a nice ebb and flow with the action scenes. And I remember in the the fight in Themyscira where Steppenwolf was getting the mother box. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're spoiling everything because this movie came out in 2017. In case you were wondering, this movie is still the same plot of the 2017 movie. Just there's extra stuff in it that fleshes out the characters. There's only one instance where the movie has a deviation from the original. And we'll talk about that later because that is kind of a spoiler. But we'll talk about that later. But overall, the main plot of the movie is basically the same but we'll talk about that but the pacing for the action scenes a lot better way better such as the fight in Themyscira where Steppenwolf is fighting the Amazonians to get the the mother box in the original cut Steppenwolf and the parademons immediately jump out and go after the mother box and this movie you get a sense of I mean not really because I had already seen the original cut but you get the sense that maybe Steppenwolf is done for for now, and maybe they can delay the inevitable. But you get a breather, and then Steppenwolf leaps out of the water. So it it feels a lot better paced, so you can finally digest what is happening just before the action ramp ba- ramps back up. So I really like the pacing in this movie in terms of the action. Um, also, in terms of the action, the fight scenes, there aren't any new fight scenes in this movie. It's the same five or six action pieces from the first cut, except for that sequence uh, where Batman uses a, a crook to capture a parademon. It, that's not in the movie. That was a Joss Whedon add-on. 
that's not in the movie at all, which is good. But um, because there are several questions about how does Batman even know what a parademon is? But there we go. The Justice League version is inferior in almost every single way, but we'll talk about that later. So another thing that I really liked about this movie is that the characterization, because of the length, we get more time with each character. And the characterization is far better in this movie, especially Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf actually feels like a character in this movie. Instead of a PS4 video game boss fight with poorly rendered CGI, the CGI is a lot better on his character now, but not that much better. He's still like a CGI monster man, but he's a CGI monster man with motivations. That's what I really like about this Steppenwolf. Is that I, w I actually felt like I understood why he was doing what he was doing. Because in the original version, Steppenwolf is just like, I'm here for the mother boxes to transform Earth. Because. While in this version, oh wow, I just hit my hand on the table. But in this version, we find out that he, in the past, has betrayed Darkseid, right? He betrayed Darkseid to try and capture the throne, right? And Darkseid was like, we're not having that. But uh, Steppenwolf, in in his lust for power, let me let me start that thought over. Steppenwolf basically, in his in in a way to like try and get in the good graces of Darkseid, he needs to conquer worlds for him as not his herald, but basically as his enforcer. Where Darkseid is back on Apocalypse and he's chilling while Steppenwolf is claiming all these planets and stuff. So I feel like now we actually have a good understanding of what Steppenwolf's goal was. He wanted to, he wanted to be back in the good graces of Darkseid, which is awesome that we actually get that understanding as to why he wanted that, why he wanted to destroy Earth and all of that. So that was good. Cyborg, we get a lot of backstory with Cyborg, and this is where we're gonna get into that one change that wasn't in the 2017 version, is that Cyborg and his father get a lot more interaction in this movie so we can genuinely get an understanding as to why cyborg is so upset with his dad and we didn't even know this but in the original cut of justice league this was never touched upon but cyborg's mother was killed in the accident that maimed him and caused his father to use the mother box to bring him back as cyborg so his mother his mother was always in his life but his father wasn't so when he lost his mother and only had his father, he was extremely jaded, right? But one of the biggest differences is that Cyborg's father actually dies in the Snyder Cut version um, in an attempt to mark the mother box so the heroes can find it later. He ends up killing himself and a last-ditch effort because he knew Steppenwolf was going to get the mother box. So he does this thing that's explained throughout the movie. It's established well on throughout the movie that this is what this laser thing does. But he uses this laser thing to mark the mother box so that the heroes can find it later on after Steppenwolf captures it. So that was actually a, a, di a very big difference is that Cyborg's father dies is what I meant to say. What else? Aquaman, I feel like a criticism I have is that Aquaman didn't get a lot of characterization in this movie. I understand the logic because Cyborg was getting, not Cyborg, wow, Aquaman was getting a movie like the following year, so he didn't get a lot of characterization in this movie. Understandable, but not acceptable because this is this, this, is this movie, so therefore we deserve characterization for this character in this movie. 
So I understand your logic. It's still not acceptable, though. So I'm going to drop it at that, since we understand why they went with that. And the Flash... I'm going to be real with you. I cannot stand this version of the Flash. I don't like him. I prefer the cocky, like, overconfident Flash from the Justice League cartoon, where he's super confident, he thinks he's really cool, and then characters would constantly, like, shut him down. Like, Hawkeye would cons not Hawkeye, wow. <laughs> Hawk Girl would consistently shut him down and, like, blow his ego into oblivion. And I loved moments like that, where a character who thought he was cool was constantly getting destroyed by other characters in, uh, in terms of his self-esteem. But in this version, he's this really neurotic, like, super fast-talking, awkward dude. And I feel like that personality doesn't fit with the Flash. But that's that's me, personally. But I don't like this version of the Flash. However, objectively, I feel like the Flash's motivations are completely and utterly unfleshed. Like, not fleshed out. Because we understand why he wants a criminal justice degree because his father was wrongly accused of murdering his mother? Understandable. But that doesn't explain why he wants to join the Justice League. We get a flimsy explanation of, oh, he just wants friends. What? So, so you want friends, but at the cost of possibly your life and therefore your chance to free your father from prison? I, I don't feel like that. It doesn't seem to click with me why you would risk your life to have friends when you could possibly die and never free your father for the wrongful ac accusation of your mother's murder. I don't I don't understand the logic behind that. But it's an, I do think that the characterization we do see in this movie is a bit better than in the Joss Whedon version because in this version he we have a moment where he saves this girl. I I've heard that it's what's her name? Something West. Let me type it in. Oh, it's not. No, wait. What's her name? It starts with an I. Iris. Iris West. So her name is Iris West. I believe that's who. I believe that's who it is in the Snyder Cut. Hold on. I'm trying to confirm this. <laughs> Give me a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the woman that he saves at the beginning of the movie is iris west um and we get a moment to see that barry does have the makings of a hero it's just that he doesn't understand he doesn't have that fighting you know that fighting instinct that the other characters have where we have cyborg who is a football player so he's always been used to using his body to to push past people right which reminds me of a really awesome episode from the teen titans cartoon back in like the 2000s but we'll talk about that another day uh, aquaman is the the rightful heir to the throne of atlantis and as we saw in the movie he was trained to know how to fight uh wonder woman was her entire race is full of warrior warrior women batman was trained by the league of shadows if if you know the batman begins thing is the Batman Begins and the Arkham series is a part of this. Like, that that whole continuity where that origin takes place in this universe. And, of course, Superman is just... Superman is Superman, so... You know. Am I missing somebody? 
Nope. Nope. Yeah, Cyborg, Flash, Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, we're good. Yeah, with these ensemble movies, I always have an issue with remembering all of the characters if it's over the number of four. That's a, that explains why there's only four main characters in every Blur Havoc book, so just so we're clear. Yeah, that's funny. It's it's because your boy can't count. That's why there's only four. <laughs> anyway, but the Flash is, um, he's just a bit, his motivations are a bit muddled to me. So, I'm not sure if that's a objective or subjective thing. It's a little bit of a mixture of both. But it's it's definitely something I notice is that his motivations are a bit muddled. So, I'd say out of all the characters, Steppenwolf has definitely has the biggest upgrade. Or I'd say second biggest. Cyborg is the biggest upgrade, no pun intended, in terms of character development. And then there's Steppenwolf... And then the Flash, and then Aquaman. But like I said, Aquaman, understandable, but unacceptable. Another big thing that I really thought was a great improvement. It's one singular moment, but it's a great improvement. And it's the scene where Superman is resurrected. And Lois Lane shows up to break him out of his amnesia, I believe. is In, in the movie proper, it's kind of amnesia. While in the justice league version it's amnesia until he sees batman for some reason then he gets selective amnesia where he remembers the do you bleed thing for some reason and he has that really messed up like look on his face because of the cgi hiding the mustache but in the justice league version is what i'll call it instead of saying joss whedon's justice league but the justice league version batman calls in alfred to bring lois lane into a live fire live combat event where people can die because there is a superhuman metahuman dude zapping people with his eyes and he just on good on good faith alone believes clark will back down if he sees lois that was incredibly the incredibly care careless of batman to do that made no sense because if if seeing wonder woman and batman didn't jog his memory. What makes you think Lois Lane would? What the power of love? Love is the fourth dimension. Really, you think that's the, you think that is what's going to snap him out of it? So what the Snyder Cut does instead is that it's established early on in the movie that Lois has not been going back to work at the Daily. The, what is it? The Daily. I was about to say the Daily Bugle, but it's the Daily Planet. Um, she hasn't been going back to work since Clark died. Or Superman died, whichever one. And every day she would get coffee and head to Superman's memorial and just visit every day because she misses him so much. But on the day on the day she decides that it will be one last time he go she goes to visit the memorial is the day that Superman is revived. So as she's leaving, she sees Superman in the sky after he's revived, and she's just like, "Holy shit!" Is he back for real? So she heads back to the monument. And while Superman is beating the dog shit out of the Justice League, Lois Lane shows up. And Batman even says, no, don't. If I'm not mistaken. Or is it the military people? They say, no, don't. And she walks in. And then Superman sees her. And it jogs his memory. So it's am so in this version, instead of it being... In this version, it's amnesia until he sees Lois. 
while in the Justice League version, it's amnesia until he sees Batman, and then it's only he remembers some of it. He doesn't remember Lois for some reason, but he remembers the do you bleed thing, which <laughs> which is just like out of all the things you remember that. Okay. So I really appreciate that they addressed the fact that, or rather, didn't address, but it fixed the fact that Batman was incredibly careless in that situation for bringing an unarmed, very vulnerable civilian into a live fire uh, situation. So I really did like that. Now, any other positives I can think of at the moment? I, I'm actually going to pause for a second so I'm not just recording on dead air. Okay, so... And now I'm going to talk about a few things that are not necessarily good or bad, but they really, I want to talk about them because it really puts, it really puts in perspective what this movie is. So this movie, like I said, is, it, it's the same plot of the 2017 Justice League. It is the same plot, but there are some things that are added, such as the, uh, the addition of Darkseid. Darkseid was apparently supposed to be in the original cut of the movie, but Joss Whedon cut him out, and a lot of his scenes are actually a lot of his scenes were actually replaced with Steppenwolf. Because in the 2017 version, the the flashback where the Amazonians, the Atlanteans, the Green Lanterns, and the gods and everybody are fighting Darkseid's army, it's Steppenwolf that is on the planet, and they beat up Steppenwolf, and you know he leaves. While in the movie, the snack, the Zack Snyder version, Steppenwolf isn't even in that scene. It's Darkseid. Darkseid is in that scene. And he's fighting them. And Charlie from Moist Critical, uh, he made a very good point that Darkseid, Darkseid gets his ass beat in that scene. And if you remember the continuity of Wonder Woman, Darkseid getting his ass beat in that scene is really, really bad when you realize it is Ares from Wonder Woman that lands the the incapacitating blow that basically puts Darkseid into a coma. I mean, he's not in a coma in the movie proper, but he, he passes out after getting struck in the chest. Very brutal and gory hit, by the way. Like, blood is flying out and everything. But Dark Darkseid is defeated by Ares from Wonder Woman. And then Wonder Woman defeats Ares. So does that mean that Wonder Woman could easily defeat Darkseid? Like... It's kind of an interesting conundrum there. So, it depends on if you're a fan of Darkseid, whether or not that that will upset you. But it is very interesting that Darkseid got his ass cheeks clapped real bad in that scene. While in the Joss Whedon version, Steppenwolf kind of is defeated, but he's not, like, badly destroyed as, as Darkseid is in the movie proper. But Darkseid does make other appearances outside of that sequence where he has he has a few lines, you know. Bad guy, typical bad guy stuff. You know, he doesn't really do much. But one interesting thing is this character named Desaad. I looked up a little bit about him. I think this interpretation of this character looks way more intimidating and way more badass than he does in the comic books, dude. Like, he actually looks like he could probably hurt somebody very badly. But in the comic books, he looks more like a, a yeoman or like a like a yes man, like... If Iago from from Aladdin was like a human and wasn't always constantly being a smartass with Jafar, that's what Desaad is basically like in the comics, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, we can always double check. You know, we got a computer right here. 
Matter of fact, Desaad in Justice League, in Justice League proper, he actually looks kind of like Corvus Glaive from from uh, what's that movie? Infinity War. Yeah, he looks like Corvus Glaive from Infinity War. That's really interesting. Huh. Wow. I, I wonder what that's about. But anyway. I, I really... I guess that's just a subjective thing. I really like the design of Desaad. Desaad looked really cool. In Justice League. I mean, Apocalypse looked kind of stupid to me. But Apocalypse is... Not Apocalypse... I mean, Apocalypse always has looked stupid in Marvel, but Apocalypse is the planet that Darkseid resides on, and that's why I confused it. But this, uh, all these characters, bro, all these characters, get your shit together! <laughs> oh, man. Darkseid. Darkseid has always looked really doofy to me. Like, he's always looked really goofy, so. Yeah. But the Sot has looked it does look really cool in this movie. And then there uh what's that character? The the lady Mother something. What's her name? Mother something. Granny Goodness. Granny Goodness makes an appearance in this movie. She has no lines, but she does indeed make an appearance. Which is interesting. She's just there. She's one of those characters I look at and I go, um, what the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> like, I can't even help it. I just look at her and I go, this is this is the most comic book shit I've ever seen in a comic book, okay? Just this random old lady is dark, one of Darkseid's closest allies. It's weird. It is very weird. <laughs> but besides the point. Oh, wow, how did I get on this? How did I get on this tangent? Holy shit. Uh... I don't even I don't even know how I got on that tangent, but let's talk about some of the more negative things. However, like I said, this movie is four hours long, dude. I totally do not recommend you sit down and watch this movie in one sitting, bro. I felt nauseous from from watching this movie for four hours. I took two bathroom breaks, one at the end of part two, and then one when the credits started rolling. Do not. I repeat, by no conditions should you ever watch this movie in one sitting. For the love of God, don't do it. Don't, just don't do it, bro. And then Doom Eternal's second DLC, The Ancient Gods Part 2, came out the same day. And then I had work the next day. And I was like, we gotta play. We gotta indulge in all of this because I won't have the time later. Boy, did I indulge. Good God. I I had sensory overload afterwards. I, I don't know what's going on, but I get sensory overload when there's I, I look at screens and there's too many fast images moving and loud noises and I don't know what that's about. But um, I'd say the four hour thing that's more of a me thing where I don't I I did not enjoy watching this movie. It was not fun to watch a four hour movie straight. But I'd say I've heard that they discussed making it a mini series, and I think that would have worked better because. Each part is like about about like 45 to a, minutes to an hour long. So that would have worked to make it so that you, you have several different jumping off points. Where once you finish an episode, you can like go use the bathroom, go get something to eat, go do something else, and then come back and jump jump back into it. 
but instead it it's there are like five parts in an epilogue but they are not broken up it is four hours long but that four hours allows them to really take their time and tell the story of these characters and develop their relationship i don't feel like their relationship is really that strong but i i feel like it's it's more deserved it's more well deserved in this movie than in the joss whedon version however there are instances where characters say things that don't make any sense such as the scene after cyborg's father dies where aquaman aquaman literally after he finds out that Cyborg's father is dead, Cyborg says as much. He says, my dad is dead. And then Aquaman actually is affected by this. And he says, his father is dead because of us, right? And then a few scenes later, Barry Allen is like, oh, he just, you know, he just wants to be alone. And then Aquaman says something to the fact of, you know, showing interest and care in Cyborg. And then Barry is like, why do you care about him? I thought you didn't care about him. And then Aquaman rightfully says, I never said that. Because he literally, one of the first things Aquaman says when he finds out Cyborg's father is dead is, he is dead because of us. Barry, what are you doing? Like, pay attention, bro. I know that Barry is kind of a neurotic. He's kind of a, he's kind of like a a character that's out there in terms of like mentality, kind of out there. But pay attention and stop being an idiot. But there are other lines like that that don't make any sense when you pay attention or think about it a little bit. Such as the line where Steppenwolf says, Steppenwolf, what did he say? He says something about, I will bathe in your fear, right? And that line actually makes more sense in the Justice League version. Because in the Justice League version, it is explained that the parademons feast, feed on fear. The parademons feed on fear. So, Dark, not Dark Side, Steppenwolf saying, I will bathe in your fear makes more sense in the Justice League version. But it doesn't, it doesn't, does not excuse the fact that that line was made so that the Amazonians could have a very cool comeback. Where he says, I will bathe in your fear. What's her name? Wonder Woman's mom, I guess, is her is who she is. I don't really remember at this moment. She says, Amazonians, show him your fear. And then the Amazonians all have this war cry, and they say, we have no fear. And it's like, oh, yes, yes, slay girl, yes, with the clap back. But in all honesty, that makes no sense. How they would have this coordinated response to something so specific. Like that that was so weird. That's not that's not how war cries work, dude. <laughs> Especially me personally, I I was in marching band in high school and college. In college we called those audibles. We you you don't understand. To get a group of more than like hell, a group of more than five people to all at the same time say something with the same intensity and the same cadence. You have to practice that, okay? You can't just do that off the top of your head, okay? So, that there's a lot of moments like that where lines are made simply because they sound cool rather than them actually making sense in the context. What else is there? Um, a lot of Zack Snyder's... God, a lot of Zack Snyder's 
hallmarks are in this movie. Characters, I don't like this, but it's not objectively bad. It's just something I don't like. Because it wastes precious, precious time doing something so stupid and so mundane. And the thing I'm talking about is when Zack Snyder has a scene of characters doing something really mundane in slow motion. I'm talking about, I mean, the biggest offender is the scene where Aquaman is walking to the pier and the, in, he's like drinking the, the, the bourbon and he throws the, the bourbon. And it's all in slow motion. It's all, it's all masturbatory, dude. And like the music is playing and then the water washes up and covers him. And it's like, dude. Don't do that. <laughs> because in all actuality, I was taught I was taught for film that you don't ever want to film your characters doing things like walking from point A to point B. You want to cut down on that as much as possible. Such as you want to film them beginning the walk somewhere and then maybe them walking somewhere like a, a wide shot to show you how far they have to walk and then close up on them while they're talking. You don't ever want to just have two characters or a character walking somewhere silently. You don't want to do that. Because that's that's precious time you could be using to develop something. That mo- that scene literally added nothing other than Aquaman is drinking alcohol and he is returning to the sea. While music plays. Pourquoi? Why are you showing us this? This adds nothing. But that's that's just the most egregious example of... Of the Zack Snyder-isms that I can't stand. And then the the heavy amounts of slow motion. I don't like slow motion. Uh, this is going to sound really crazy. Really hot take. But I prefer the, the high intensity action sequences of Transformers. Over the Zack Snyder action scenes. of Over the top slow motion. It, now we got to break that down. Okay. I have to go at this bit, bit by bit. I know. Don't turn the episode off. Stay with me. So, what I'm talking about, I know, I know, Transformers uses slow motion, but I'm talking about the high intensity, like choreographed CGI fight scenes, where stuff like the fight scene between Sentinel Prime and Optimus in Transformers Three. I really like that scene because it's highly, it's highly choreographed, and it's quite intense in terms of the in terms of the impacts and such because with CGI you have to choreograph it you can't do shaky cam bullshit to hide the fact that you did no choreography so I really like the CGI fight scenes and Transformers the Sentinel Prime versus Optimus being a highlight as well as it's gonna sound weird but I do like the fight scene between Megatron Megatron and the Fallen versus Optimus and Revenge of the Fallen now next point Zack Snyder's slow motion I don't like the slow motion because I feel like you could have, you could show two characters fiercely at each other, going neck and neck, like barely missing each other or barely blocking each other's attacks, instead of having Wonder Woman flipping through the air for like 15 seconds. I don't like shots like that. Now, however, I do understand that there is a time and a place for slow motion. Slow motion is good for when you need to slow down something to show how precise something is hitting. Or to show that the character is doing something that requires pinpoint accuracy. Such as grabbing an arrow out of midair. Something that should not be possible in the real world. Yet the character is doing it. 
Uh, slow motion works well for something like that. And Zack Snyder isn't even the most egregious when it comes to slow motion. If you've ever seen any of the Resident Evil movies after the first one, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Those movies are so over the top with their slow motion. The scene where, where what's her name? I don't even remember her name. The made-up character they made for the Resident Evil movies. Who's played by Jill, what's her name? What's her name? Mia Mal- Malkovich? Is that what it is? You see, now I gotta, I gotta look it up. I'm gonna look it up. We gonna find out. We gonna find out. We gonna be alright. Was it Retribution the the movie I was talking about? Retribution or Afterlife? The one that had the the. You'll know what I'm talking about when I talk about it. Mila jo, jo, Jovovich. Jovovich. Wow. Mila Jovovich. It's the part in one of these movies where they were fighting in, like, a shower in a jail. And, like, she was fighting an executioner from, like, Resident Evil 5. And, the enti- like, the entire scene was in slow motion, bro. It was so bad. Yeah, it was Afterlife. It was Afterlife. Because it was the one that had the post credit scene where Jill Valentine shows up. But... It, it, the entire fight scene with the executioner was in slow motion and it was so unbearable. So while I don't like Zack Snyder's use of slow motion, it's not the most egregious version of slow motion. And in 300, I like it in 300 where like he does the thing where it's in slow motion to show the impact and it speeds back up and then slow motion again. I love stuff like that, however, because it's a good balance of, of, of the two. Of choreography versus slow motion, it's a good balance of the two. So, we're a little bit over 30 minutes, and that's fine. But overall, what do I think? Is it groundbreaking? No. Is it the best written? No. In terms of dialogue and plot, it's not the best well-written, you know. Because there there, there are a lot of scenes where there's dialogue such as, that are just 100% exposition, such as the nightmare sequence at the end of the movie. Yes, the nightmare sequence with the Joker and Batman. That is at the end of the movie, and it literally goes nowhere. So don't even don't even watch this movie if you're trying to see how that plays into everything. It literally doesn't. It's a post-credit scene that takes place before the credits, and there is no post-credit scene, so don't worry about it. Once the, once the credits start rolling, you can go take a piss. <laughs> but um, a lot of the exposition, a lot of the movie's dialogue is exposition heavy and um is you and there's a lot of convoluted concepts such as the thing they need to do to resurrect superman it's really complicated they could have dumbed that down they could have dumbed it down and like he could have come dumbed it down come (laughs) whoops he could they could have dumbed it down and made it a little bit more simplified just because there was no reason to make it that complicated you have to touch the box that's the moment it touches the water in order to revive superman it's just like bro just dump dump the mother box in the water and run really fast (laughs) like you don't have to explain you don't have to over explain it bro but it is interesting to go back and rewatch it and see all the scenes that joss whedon added because the scene where there was that manufactured drama between batman and wonder woman in the joss whedon cut where wonder woman shoves batman that's not in the Zack snyder version that scene does not exist but it's interesting to rewatch it and see a lot of the things that were missing be restored, such as Cyborg's backstory. 
and then a lot of the things that Joss Whedon added that were really bad. So, yeah, um, I, I don't think I'll ever be watching that again. But I will say that it is it is better than the original version, definitely, definitely better. I'd give the original version. I'd give like a three out of ten. Maybe a 2 out of 10. This version, I'd give it like a 6 out of 10. And no, the length is not... The length is not a reason why I would give it a 6 out of 10. If you'd like, I can totally go into more detail. Bit by bit. Beat by beat. And explain why I give it a 6 out of 10. Because it's definitely a movie that... There's some writing issues. There are. Some things that don't make sense. I have to go back and take notes to explain to you why it is that is the case. But overall, it's it's definitely no pun intended, leagues better than the Justice League version. So I think I'm gonna leave it there. Maybe another day we'll talk we'll go into more depth as to why I give it that six out of ten. But uh overall I'd say for the people that asked for it, I'm glad you got what you asked for. I mean you know, I, I had no hopes in this being, you know, good, so it's better than I thought it would be. Just it's just way too long. Way too long. But we're gonna call it there, folks. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. I'm gonna drink the rest of this protein and, and chill, man. So y'all be easy. Peace. Wait, wait, wait. Stop the music. Gotta make a quick addendum. I I realized something while I was editing this that one of the easiest ways that we could have avoided a four-hour movie was if you properly set up the Justice League instead of having a 30-second commercial and Batman v Superman. If you properly set up each hero with their own solo movie, like Marvel did it, we wouldn't have a four-hour Justice League, probably just a three-hour Justice League. So, we're in this mess because DC just didn't plan properly. I'm not going to put that on Zack Snyder. I'm going to put that on DC. So, I just wanted to add that. And um, we'll see you next time. Peace. Listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today.